Thank you for downloading this episode of The Magpod, a podcast from the Magpie Anthology. I'm Amber Beard, editor, and today I'm speaking to Jill Dawson about her fascinating book, The Language of Birds, at the Isle of Wight Literary Festival. Jill, so tell us a little bit about your book. Hi, Amber. So The Language of Birds tells the story of Mandy River, who's a nanny to um, Lady and Lord Morven. But the story has very strong links with a story we all know, the Lord Lucan murder, where a nanny was murdered and Lucan's wife left for dead, in effect. So it's based on that story, but it's told from a different angle that readers may not know. And the characters that you've chosen, you've chosen the nanny who you felt in the past might have been quite silenced um, as all of the publicity was about Lord Lucan, all of the empathy, all of those things, as opposed to his wife, um, Lady Morven in the book, and Mandy the nanny. So why did you decide to do it from that perspective? I think because, as you've said, I felt as if it was a story we didn't know. I didn't know much about the victim. I will say that when I found out that Sandra Rivett had had two children of her own, and given them up for adoption. There was a great poignancy to the idea of a young woman coming to London to work for another family, look after their children, leaving her own behind, and then come to such a dreadful fate. And probably my sadness about that irony was fueling the novel, really, even though then I I kept that fact. I mean, that is a detail in the novel, but then I changed many others so that it would be a story about Mandy, really. Mandy and Rosemary, the other nanny in the novel. So Rosemary's character is quite an interesting one as well. She feels that birds speak to her, and that's part of the title of the book, which is The Language of Birds. So can you just explain a little bit to us about the the play on words, perhaps, that the book title suggests? With The Language of Birds, I know it's a bit of a surprising title, perhaps, for this story, but not when you think that this is the language of girls, you know, birds in the 70s, um, a name for girls, the language of women, the stories of women. But then equally, as you've mentioned, Rosemary, quite a eccentric, shall we say, character in the novel, does indeed believe that birds can speak to her and that they might be telling her something important. And this idea that she's tuning in, I mean, there is the idea the language of birds is an esoteric special language that only those who are really attuned can hear as well as perhaps she simply has schizophrenia. I mean, you can read it any way you like. But I was very interested in the idea of those who felt they used rational signs to judge the world and those who felt they might use religion or superstition and whose method was right. And in this case, neither of them saw this coming. So I want to suggest that some things in life, like domestic violence, you know, the only predictor is if a man has previously done violent acts he's more likely to do future ones and everything else is you know really up for discussion do you think that from the perspective of domestic violence that a lot of this is rooted in childhood experiences well i would think that it depends if we're talking about perpetrator or victim i do resent and resist the idea that victims come from a household of violence because i've experienced domestic violence and i very much didn't and so the first time i had that experience i was very shocked and unable to deal with it and i think that the idea that victims themselves are simply perpetuating a pattern is not helpful, you know, as in that woman, or she'll just go back to him, or she'll just go back to another abuser. That's all she's used to. That's obviously not true for many of us. 
But whether perpetrators are sort of grown in a cauldron of violence, yes, I think there probably is some truth in that, that they themselves have experienced it and witnessed it and learned that way of getting their own way. So with the character of Lord Morven, there is a very pent-up, buttoned-up, straight-laced man. So do you think that that is perhaps a, you know, somebody who maybe doesn't express his feelings except in a, in a violent manner? Do you think maybe that is a, a signifier that, you know, there's, that maybe he wasn't loved as a child or didn't have that sort of parental affection? Well, I was looking at his upbringing a little in both the terms of the research and in the novel. But actually, also what I was looking at was the idea that acts of really extreme violence don't usually come from nowhere. There is a bit of background. And so I do need to suggest in the novel that there might have been other such occasions when he behaved like that. And also that he might have his own difficulties, a difficult childhood, etc. It's not to excuse him, but it's to, to give a sense of humanity. Everybody's a human being who's carrying around all this stuff, I suppose. But also I think that society and the society that Lord Morven moved in would condone his behaviour very much. It would be seen as manly to keep a wife like Lady Morven in, you know, in control, under control, to keep her quiet, to keep her behaving well. So in a way, he would get a lot of sanctioning from his friends and fellow aristocratic cronies, really. And I think that's the problem with the culture that kind of condones that kind of masculinity. And you said that after, in the actual Lord Lucan case, there were a couple of his friends who had made some fairly, what we would see to be quite controversial comments. I think there always are, aren't there, privately in these situations, you know, there were people who said yes I would have given her a slap or not meaning the murder they felt sorry for the lovely young nanny and another comment that was made was and good nannies are so hard to find so that's what she was reduced to you know her job her role I think that hasn't changed very much and the ways in which we talk about um, men's behavior to women continues to be problematic so going back to the novel, um, very firmly rooted in the 70s, did you get a great deal of pleasure out of talking about all the various gonks and abbas and Anne French cleansing lotion and all the various things you talked about? I did, I did. It's not difficult to find, you know, magazines. I had the Radio Times, I had newspapers, I had Vogue. I wanted a whole across the board range of magazines to look at the adverts to remember what we all thought was interesting and um, for an earlier novel I'd remembered Limit Slimming Biscuits and that had been very amusing because I think my mum must have had them <laughs> so every time I found something in this novel that my older sister might have had you know yeah. the perfume um, Havoc Mary Quant Havoc I think you know all of these things do set off a memory but actually I love the research and yet so much of it has to go you know, always do yeah, masses masses more than you ever leave in there's the odd detail in the end after months of reading up on something the thing that sticks in my mind from the 70s were Vesta's curries oh, yeah. that you could add water to they were absolutely <laughs> horrible but we That's thought they funny. were the the height of fashion and yes. uh, but I can remember reading things like Jackie yeah. which having been brought up in Ireland you actually had to have you had to have it on order and you know reading about all these shops that only existed in London and being absolutely desperate mm. and in fact then going to London and doing the first thing was exactly what Mandy in your novel did so she bought herself a pair of 
cherry red boots and I bought myself a, a green Benetton scarf with the money that my mother had told me was for food only. <laughs> so it's this this freedom, I suppose, yes. that you have when you come from a very rural aspect and then you suddenly find yourself in a big metropolis. Yes. And also, I think freedom and pleasure, you know, that pleasure is a freedom that sometimes women aren't sure they're entitled to take up, mm. you know, the pleasure of love affairs, rather than, um, you know, saving yourself for marriage. And I think Mandy's tried the first and it hasn't really worked out. So now she yes. thinks maybe she'll embark on some adventures. I think that's very interesting because... The young women I know, you know, 17 to 25, would take for granted these days their right to have love affairs the way mm. boys do. Yep. But I think we have to remember that in the 70s, where the pill hadn't long been around, contraception wasn't freely available, raising a child if you weren't married was not the done thing. These Actually, I think young women of my 19-year-old daughter, for example, very surprised by that reality. Mm. Very well, shocked I think, to hear I, it. I think young people take so much for granted in a way that we didn't because it just wasn't available yeah. or it wasn't readily available. And also the sense of what was acceptable. I mean, the difference between what's acceptable in a rural place and London in a small community where everyone knew your business, it would be so much harder. You couldn't be having an affair with a local married man without everyone knowing about it. Whereas I think what Mandy quite rightly thinks is in a big city, she'll have more freedom mm. to do what she wants without people, especially her mother, perhaps, judging her. And and I guess that many of my readers will identify with that and plenty mm. of them who left a small town or a rural place to go to the big city. Then I think as you get older, you again discover the pleasures of smaller places. I live in a very rural place now. I love the, you know, being able to walk out, leave my doors safely unlocked, that yeah. kind of thing. So, so different things at different times mm. in your life. Indeed. Mm. Well, The Language of Rose is a fascinating book um, and it's one that we will certainly um, be revisiting again. And thank you very much for your time. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you very much.